0: Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 5 NFL Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. And joining me as always from across the pond is Tom Strachan, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. Today's show will be covering all things betting and fantasy for all of the Sunday games as well as Monday Night Football. Before we dive in, Tom, how was the fantasy slate last week? I know the week before was a little bit rough uh, with that Baltimore game uh, really not going as high as we thought it would be with Buffalo. uh, or the, The week before that, sorry, but... How did things go for you this past week?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty good week. It was one of those where I seemed to do a bit better in DFS than I did in fantasy. Lost in a few leagues where I wanted to win, but kind of clawed back uh, a good week in DFS with Russell Wilson double stacks with that late game, really saving my bacon, obviously. Uh, And it was a pretty good week on the betting front. I think I went 10-6 and on over-unders, which was kind of like my standout. Um, But we don't need to talk about the rest. We were a bit more average. How about you?
0: Pretty good, pretty good. Hit on most of uh, the props that we talked about. And then I put in there uh, Nick Chubb on the rushing yards, AJ Brown receiving yards and a few others. Uh, So it was a pretty good week. All around, And speaking of fantasy, those of you out there watching, don't forget to play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. So even with the NFL best ball season over, Underdog does have other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the action. They've got a battle royale, which is a six-round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win than your traditional daily fantasy sites. Also try their pick-em games here. Wager on players' chances go higher or lower, which we'll get into. Basically like prop betting. Uh, on their projected stat lines. You can combine those into a parlay to try and win some money. And you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code Outsiders now to double your first deposit up to $100. And with that, we will get right into the weekend action, starting with our second London game, the Giants plus 8 at Green Bay, 41-point total in this one. Now, Green Bay has been struggling against the run, but with the Giants' lack of pass game options and Daniel Jones' injury, it seems like he's doing a lot better and is going to play. But Green Bay could maybe just spend most or put most of their focus on stopping Saquon. Are you playing him with confidence uh, where he's priced or are you maybe shying away from him?
1: Yeah, I'm fine playing Saquon this week. I think it's one of those where if you're playing him, it's likely in the showdown, showdown captain role or you're looking at... You know, regular redraft, draft and I just think you don't you don't want to fade away from a guy who leads the league in rushing yards you know he's absolutely, absolutely been crushing it and he's got the fourth highest team target share amongst running backs with 16 percent and even though the Packers will know what the Giants are going to bring to them they rank bottom five in run defense TVOA last week against the Giants when Bailey uh, against the Patriots when Bailey's app got in there They knew the Patriots were going to lean on the run, and they didn't do an awful lot to stop him either. So I think it's very difficult to have much confidence in the Giants, Um, but I'm definitely fine playing Barkley
0: in any situation. I figured so. What about on the other side? What are your best plays for Green Bay in this one?
1: Yeah, I think it's time to start embracing Alan Lazard as the wide receiver one in Green Bay. He's kind of steadily made his way back from an injury, and on Sunday he timed – he tied Romeo Dubs for a team leading 25% target share. Like we've just seen his work steadily increase. And now he's going to take on a defense that ranks ninth worst in DVOA against the pass. So Lazard's definitely somebody I'm completely fine playing. I played dubs and I'd even be possibly tempted to play Tonyan, who got in the end zone and got a touchdown last week.
0: Yeah, Tunyon, that was actually one of the props that that I hit last week. Was with Tunyon, I knew I just felt like it was going to be a game for him to get in the end zone against New England and did. Uh, This week, Dubs is one that I like. Over 44 and a half yards. Seems too easy. Maybe I'm missing something, but I'm taking that one. I think he's just been too good. He's been, tar- he's been the top target over the last couple weeks. He said he's been heavily involved. So I like Dubs there uh, as that one. As far as overall, Green Bay's two 2-2 two against the spread to start the year. Fell way short last week, as you mentioned, against the Patriots. Went to overtime, almost lost. But I will say Green Bay covers this week, 8-8. Uh, and Green Bay plays slow. They have the slowest pace in the league pretty much across the board. Uh, situation neutral, trailing, leading, pretty much any way you look at it. So I side with the under, something like 24 to 13. Uh, but our model likes the over, and it's the second highest confidence FO pick this week. And that's right, FO Plus now has totals in addition to picks against the spread and straight up. You can get all those picks every week with an FO Plus subscription for just four ninety-nine a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. So – So I'm going Green Bay to cover and the under in this one. How about you? Uh, I'm going
1: similar, but I'm going with the over. I'll take the the business side of it and (laughs) things are going to go over because strange things do happen in these London games. Just one thing that kind of stood out. This is the first ever London game, and there's been over 30 of them where both teams have a winning record. We've seen some really bad ones, and it's just a bit of a shame that Daniel Jones is going to be banged up, but I just – I've got faith in Saquon that he's going to be able to keep put the Giants on his back and take them to the over. But, yeah, Green Bay should cover easily.
0: Yeah, first game in London looking to get a big win over there. They're the last team to make their London debut. So, uh, finally, all 32 teams have played over there. Moving on, coming back stateside, Chargers minus two and a half at Cleveland. This one has a 47 and a half point total. Huge game for Austin Eckler last week. It was funny because watching this one, uh, I was out watching the games, had a few, obviously the TVs were on different games, and they showed the graphic of his receiving yards per game, rushing yards per game this year compared to last year. 20 touchdowns versus zero touchdowns, and as soon as they cut back to the action, he scored his first touchdown of the game. Do you think he can follow it up against Cleveland this week? Uh, I'm definitely not shying away from it, and it was someone like last week.
1: It was easy to feel very confident about, like I wrote in my DFS column, that it felt like the right opponent at the right time, and you know, particularly with Justin Herbert banged up, it just it all seemed to sell well for him. Uh, I think you know the Browns rank 30th in DVOA against the rush, but they're also bottom 12 in DVOA against running backs acting as receivers. So we know that's a big part of. E- Eckler's game so I'm completely fine playing him I'm not sure how much I'll be playing him on DraftKings I do think that you know he sets up well for it and uh, I think he's 7,800 on there so he's kind of getting towards the top end of the price there um, but yeah I think there's rumours that Keenan Allen might have had a setback with his hamstring so it might be harder to play the pass catching so definitely definitely in play for me.
0: Yeah, and sticking with them, speaking of Keenan Allen, like you said, a little setback. Seems like he won't be playing again this week. Is Gerald Everett a must-start moving forward? I know I picked him up, I think, after week one in one of my fantasy leagues, my home league, and he's done really well for them with Keenan Allen out.
1: Yeah, Gerald Everett's been one of those kind of – Pleasant surprises this season. Like I took quite a lot of him in best ball, and you weren't sure really what you were going to get from him. But he's averaging the fourth most, tight, uh, fourth most points amongst tight ends who are available on the main set of slates this weekend. He gets 12.3 DraftKings points per game. And he's seen the eighth most targets at tight ends with 26 through four games. So he's clearly a big part of their offense, and it seems unlikely that he's just going to disappear away from
0: that. Yeah. And then for the Browns, you know Chubb's going to get his touches, his yards, seems like every week. The pass game's more unpredictable. Mari Cooper came back to earth after back to back 100 yard games. It was Donovan Peoples Jones with the big game against Atlanta. Is Mari Cooper worth trusting this week against a decent Chargers pass defense, but in a game that, that could end up being high scoring?
1: I think he's definitely got to be in consideration again. His price has kind of dropped back down to the 6,000 range where there's always a few nice bargains to be had. And after last week, a lot of people got onto him late with all the bad weather. A lot of people gravitated to Cleveland, Atlanta as a game to target for DraftKings and DFS. And, you know, he put up a really bad game. So I think a lot of people will shy away from playing him this weekend. Uh, So if you're building tournament lineups, he's a good contrarian play. He's not somebody that I'm going to be drawn towards massively. I feel like there's probably better players out there in a similar range. But if you are playing Austin Eckler, Plenty of sense uh, to bring Amari Cooper back in sort of like mini correlation.
0: Yeah, and Cleveland is going to be an underdog or is an underdog, so could have to throw the ball a little bit more if they get behind. And the Browns could easily be 4-0, but the defense struggled late in both those losses. We know the Jets game and then last week gave up three straight scoring drives to end the game. The offense didn't really help late, but I've gone back and forth on this one. Um, My gut says Cleveland, so I'm going to go with it. I think they're able to pull off the upset at home. But I think both teams score points. I mentioned could be a high-scoring game, and I like the over 47-and-a-half on this one.
1: I'm on the opposite side of things here. I've gone with the Chargers uh, at 2.5, and then I've gone with the under. I just feel like the Chargers are slowly getting right. Justin Herbert seems to be getting better. And even though Nick Chubb's been brilliant and incredibly efficient, it just doesn't seem like the Browns are really going to be able to push these top offenses
0: yeah, and Miles Garrett, it does seem will should be back. I think in some capacity, but don't know how much he'll play. So that Browns defense has not been as good as what was expected this year. We'll move on to uh, the Chargers' opponent from last week, Houston, plus seven at Jacksonville, forty-three and a half point total. Jaguars started hot last week, but Trevor Lawrence lost four fumbles that really doomed them. But Travis Etienne and uh, James Robinson split carries last week and had comparable output, only three yards separate in their rushing. Is Etienne taking over the lead role here? Do you think that was just a, a one-time thing and we should still be high on James Robinson?
1: I'm still high on James Robinson. I think like last week was the first time, you know, the Jaguars got st- stomped on last week. You know They just ran into a brick wall of the Eagles who are just one of the very best teams in football right now. And it was the first time where we'd really seen the Jaguars in sort of like negative game strip consistently. Mm-hmm. So, you know we saw them have the same amount of touches and at ANC one targets James Robinson zero but that doesn't really feel particularly sticky for me and then this week for, you know much like last week when Austin Eckler went up against the Texans, this feels like the kind of situation where James Robinson could really just go all over this 29th ranked Russian defense in DVOA so I'm all the way back in on James Robinson for this week.
0: And then looking at the running back on the other side, we'll stick with running backs in this game. Those are the big, big names. There's some big ones on Jacksonville, but Damian Pierce had a career high rushing day, highlighted by that 75 yard touchdown. Uh, his rushing prop set at 65 and a half yards. How do you do you like that as the over? I tend to lean the over there. And then just how do you view him in general heading up against this Jacksonville defense that's been pretty good?
1: Yeah, I mean the Texans have really just committed to Pierce, and it's not really that crazy when you look, it's just him and Rex Burkhead there, but they've given him 34 rushing attempts over the last two weeks, and there's only 11 other running backs who've had more than that in that time, so he's clearly a big part of their plans, even in games where they're chasing the score, sometimes we saw him rip that big run last week, and you know, he put up 131 yards on just 14 attempts, so we've seen that he can change a game quickly, and he can break those long runs, even on an offence that isn't particularly going right, and I mean, things just aren't going right for the Texans. I mean, Davis Mills looks a shadow of himself from last year, even in clean pockets. Like last year, Davis Mills averaged 72.4% clear um, com- completion record. This year, that's dropped to like 58%. So, like, things aren't going right for the passing game. So, they're going to need to lean on Pierce.
0: Yeah, and uh, how do you feel the spread at this one? I mentioned is seven points, one of the larger ones of the week. But there's some eights, there's a fourteen in there. Um, what do you think, uh, or what, what is your prediction on this one as far as spread and total?
1: Yeah, so with Jacksonville being at home, I've gone with Jacksonville to cover, and the games go under. I just feel like. The Texans have got problems and things are going to keep coming up for them. And the Jacksonville defence is going to get right. Last week was a bad week for them, but I feel they're going to bounce back from that. We saw enough from them in the first three weeks. We have a bit of confidence in them.
0: Yeah, and I get to say this for once. I'm on the other side there a little bit. Houston has played tough this year. They've covered in 204. They pushed in the other. Uh, at seven points, I am saying Houston to push or to cover, to, uh, but Jacksonville wins, so we're, we side there. And I like the under, I think something like 24-17. Again, that push, it's going to be pretty close, I think. Um, but that's where I've got it uh, with that 43.5-point total. So just under that by a couple points there. And they're going to move on to Pittsburgh and Buffalo. I mentioned a 14 point spread. This is it Pittsburgh plus 14 at Buffalo. Largest spread of the week, I think, of the season. I don't recall having a 14 pointer uh, in the last few weeks. The Pittsburgh pass defense has been below average since losing TJ Watt late in week one. You're starting Josh Allen, you're starting uh, Stephon Diggs. Is this the week Gabe Davis gets back on track? I've seen uh, some things saying yes, looking at those cornerback matchups. And then what should we expect also from Khalil Shakir if Isaiah McKenzie is unable to go?
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like it's trending that way. And watching the game against the Ravens last week, Davis didn't seem to be – he just wasn't cutting properly on quick turns and things like that. He really seemed to be struggling with those routes. But by all accounts, he's has been a full participant in practice this week. So – If we do get a healthy Gabe Davis, I'm definitely intrigued by that. His price is 6,400 on DraftKings and there's a good chance that a lot of people are going to be scared off him after putting up a couple of low-scoring weeks and missing time. Uh, In terms of on the Pittsburgh side of things, for me, really... I mean, I'm big Deontay Johnson trufer. I really like him. But the main player who I'd be gravitating towards is George Pickens. So Kenny Pickett, when he came into the game last week, he passed for 14 attempts and Pickens saw five of those targets. So that's got to be encouraging for people who've been sat there with Pickens on their bench and really been waiting for things to get going. Um, and he's just 4,300 on DraftKings. So going back to what you asked me about Khalil Shakir, He's not a player I know a terrible amount about. Like he, I know a lot of people in the dynasty community are quite high on him, and he could slot into that slot role quite easily with Jameson Crowder out and Isaiah McKenzie out if that happens. And we have seen Josh Allen really lean on that position over the years, so he could be somebody who's definitely worth a punt. He's only thirty two hundred on DraftKings, so if. Isaiah McKenzie is ruled out. Expect Khalil Shakir to pick up quite a bit of ownership when people flock to being able to pay down that heavily.
0: Yeah, he was uh, good in the slot, but also had been good on the outside uh, in the preseason. And George Pickens as well had a big preseason; was one of the biggest names, uh, so the biggest beneficiary there. Uh, I think I agree with you from uh, Kenny Pickett taking over a quarterback. Now, as far as the betting side of this, uh, our own Mike Tanier or Mike Tanier, sorry, plays the quarterbacks in their first starts, and it's worked. Uh, but this is a really tough game for Pickett against the NFL's top passing defense. I'm going to take a chance and say Buffalo covers at home is huge favorites, kind of like that Tennessee game in Week Two. I'm going to play the Pickett over uh, 0.5 interceptions. Um, he threw three of them last week. They weren't all his fault, uh, but that that Buffalo uh, pass Stevens I think, will just be on him. And, again, I think it's similar to Pittsburgh, Tennessee – or uh, sorry, Buffalo, Tennessee, where the under hits, despite a big total from Buffalo. What do you think?
1: Yeah, fairly similar there. It's like – it just – going on the road to Buffalo, like I just feel like the Steelers messed this up. They had the opportunity to give – Pick it, the mini-buy coming off Thursday night mm-hmm. football and then give him the start against the Jets and instead his first week as a starter is preparing to go to Buffalo. <laughs> it's just like, I can't see, like we've talked in the past when it's been 10-point spreads about how much 10 points is and how un- mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable in them. But I feel completely fine with Buffalo at minus 14. I think you could talk about a 28-10 kind of score and just creeping under uh, on the under.
0: Yeah, so we're both in there on, uh, on uh, Buffalo to cover. This is, though, our lowest confidence total pick of the week in Football Outsiders. Again, you can see all those picks ranked by confidence every week with an FO Plus subscription. you got the projected lines, straight-up picks, totals, all ranked by confidence. Uh, get that for just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe along with a host of other premium stats, articles, and fantasy rankings. Going to move on to Washington, hosting Tennessee. The Titans come in to Washington as two-and-a-half-point favorites, 42-and-a-half-point total. Not really a lot to like in this game. I didn't mention on our Thursday night preview, Tannehill threw two touchdowns against the Colts last week, only 137 yards. Derrick Henry had another big game, 147 total yards with a touchdown. More importantly, three more catches this week. Are you back on the Henry train after a a couple weeks of us uh, looking bad uh, talking about Derrick Henry? (laughs) I think it's a tricky one because, I
1: mean, like, you look at last week and Derrick Henry had more rushing attempts than Ryan Tannehill had passing attempts. Like, he had 22 and Tannehill had 21 pass attempts. It's like clearly the team feels comfortable just loading up Derrick Henry. Washington, though, they're a pass funnel defense. They rank sixth best in rush defense, but they're like third worst in the league against, uh, against the pass. So typically games against them. You want to target players through the air, but you look at this wide receivers' corpse <laughs> for the Titans and with Traylon Burks in the game with turf toe and looking like he's going to miss time, you're talking about Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook-Kine and Kyle Phillips, it's not particularly inspiring. So despite the fact that I quite often lean towards fading Derek Henry, I feel like he can book the trend here and go against the statistics and have a decent game.
0: Anybody else in this one from that Washington side, we know Jahan Dotson is most likely out for this week, possibly next week, Diami Brown uh, coming in for him, but uh, with Carson Wentz hasn't really been playing great. Do you like anybody else in this one?
1: Yeah, like you said, Carson Wentz, you know, week one, he looked like he was going to be a fantasy viable quarterback. But since then, his completion records dropped from 65.9% in week one to 59% last week. His yards per attempt have decreased steadily across every week from 7.6 to 4.0. And it just seems like the shots he's taking to Terry McLaurin are just real 50-50 balls. Meanwhile, the only person who's kind of reliable is Curtis Samuel. Perhaps with Diami Brown and sort of Jahan Dotson being a bit up in the air, Logan Thomas sees an opportunity where he can restake a claim in this offense. Mm-hmm. But really, it just feels like Curtis Samuel will bust there. I Interested to see what happens with Brian Robinson, though. Like, he's been trending towards getting some playing time. And Ron Rivera was saying he thought he might play as early as this week. So, that would be interesting because Antonio Gibson's usually just been scaled back week on week after starting
0: the season hot. Yeah, must be preparing for Brian Robinson to take over there. We'll see. But you mentioned the run defense for Washington. Both of these teams are top 10 against the run and the 26th and 30th against the pass. For me, it was really hard to pick one. 80% or more of the money is on the Tennessee spread and the money line. I basically flipped a corner of my mind, got Washington. I know I said Washington was my gut last week against Dallas, but I went the opposite side. I'm going to go with Washington this week and then go with the under 42 and a half. We agree or are we in disagreement on this one?
1: Close. I've got Washington to cover the spread, but Tennessee to win the game uh, and gone with the over. I, I think there's enough there's enough bad defense in this game that things should be okay for fantasy purposes.
0: So we'll move on to one. that's really not a great game either. It is a division matchup though. Miami minus three at the New York Jets, 46 point total. No of this week, as we know, as it should be. How do you feel about Teddy Bridgewater in this one? Now, Pickett, I said, wasn't bad against the Jets, despite those three interceptions that weren't all his fault. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater is a different quarterback.
1: Yeah, it's not a situation I feel particularly confident in starting the Dolphins' skill players in this one. I think... You know, Teddy Bridgewater has shown that he can be a good quarterback at times over his starts with Carolina and Denver over the last couple of years. And he has had all week to be prepared for this. Mm-hmm. But on a road trip to a division rival who themselves are coming off a win and feeling a little plucky, it just doesn't feel too great. And Tyree Kill's been priced up to 8000 on DraftKings this week, which is a little expensive. So I have named the Miami skill players as my fade of the week. And perhaps that comes back to bite me in the ass, but uh, I'm kind of. I'm okay missing out on this one if it happens this week.
0: Yeah, and uh, the skill players on the other side, Zach Wilson is back. Corey Davis has had success with him or had success with Zach Wilson last year, early in the season, those first seven games, was the leading receiver last week. Who is your top receiver with Wilson back in the fold? We know Elijah Moore has been quiet. Garrett Wilson had a big game. Uh, Corey Davis has kind of been a steady presence there, it seems like, as the veteran. But but who do you like based on their value?
1: I think it's, it's very tricky, definitely, because – Elijah Moore, we know he's a really good receiver and he's priced all the way down at 5,000 this week and it just feels like this might be the kind of game that sets up well for him. The Dolphins have been quite banged up in the secondary. So maybe that's an area where Garrett Wilson can get loose a little. But I'm not sure I quite trust Zach Wilson throwing to Garrett Wilson yet and taking those more dangerous shots. So I'd probably lean towards Elijah Moore. And I'm quite high on Brees Hall. We saw him last week that he really seems to have taken over the running back role. Um, You know, he saw 17 targets across the last two games. And obviously one of those was with Joe Flacco in there but it really just seems like he's wrestled control of that away from Michael Carter now.
0: Yeah. I had that on here uh, to ask you about as well. He saw nearly two thirds of the running back touches last week. So I guess one just quick question is Michael Carter's time done being a starter. You know, that first week you mentioned the Carter's workload has increased each week. Is he someone you can cut ties with? You still want to hang on to him? I think he's worth hanging on to because I do think
1: there'll be weeks where the jets lean on the running game and, you know, he'd definitely be a very valuable backup if anything happened to Brees Hall. So I'm kind of keep, fine keeping him on the bench for now because the bye weeks are coming and we're going to need usable weeks. And Even though last week was a bit quieter, there'll probably be better weeks ahead for him.
0: Yeah, and he still does get some touches, so I agree with you there. Now, we know uh, you can have a big fantasy week and still lose the game. Uh, your fantasy players cannot have big weeks. You can still win. What are you thinking in this one, siding well on the spread and the total here?
1: Okay, so for this one, I've gone with the Jets plus three, Jets on the money line, and uh, take me under because the the under over was set at forty six, which just feels a a touch high, given that two is out of the game.
0: Yeah, and this was another close one for me. Our projected line is exactly on the market line in Miami minus three. I'm going with our favorite, going with the Dolphins here. Uh, We talked about Teddy. You know, he didn't throw the deep ball well last year, but Miami is top 10 in yards after catch. I think Waddle and uh, Hill can still make plays. And I'm siding the other way and going with the over, even at 46. um, I think they're going to be be able to put up some points in this one, both of those uh, quarterbacks. And the skill units are so good. I think they find ways to both get on the board uh, quite a bit in this one. So moving on to – Really, not much going on in this one. Chicago plus seven at Minnesota, forty-four point total. You're playing all your Vikings now. Opponents are averaging over 183 rushing yards per game against Chicago. Saquon went for 146. Aaron Jones went for 132. Those star Dalvin Cook's uh, rushing line is set at over seven or set at 78 and a half. I like the over in this one. Um, outside of that Philly game where he only got six carries for 17 yards, he's gone 90, 96, and 76. So I like that. There's really not a question on any of the Vikings this week. But are any of the Bears worth playing against Minnesota?
1: I think people might be tempted to play Darnell Mooney after his first fantasy-relevant performance of the season. He put up 13.4 PPR points, and (laughs) he doubled his season total of receptions from 4 to 8. But that feels like fool's gold to me. I mean, he caught a large percentage of those points on a 56-yard reception, and that represented 32% of Fields' total passing yardage from that game. I mean... The Bears finally reached double-digit passes, but it was 11 completed. It's like, you know, 50% completion rate still. So I'm still starting Khalil Herbert. I think we get another good week out of him where he could be the workhorse. He put up 77 rushing yards on 19 attempts. And the Vikings rank bottom five in rushing defense DVOA and have allowed the ninth most fantasy points to running backs through four games. So I'm completely fine with that one.
0: And then looking at the betting side of this, this is one I've, I didn't really think too much about. I'm not going to think too much about it. Chicago's just not good. I'm going Minnesota covers minus seven at home. The Vikings are the Football Outsiders' fifth highest confidence straight up pick. Again, you can get access to those picks with an FO plus subscription at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And I also like the Vikings, obviously, to score a lot, but the Bears really struggling to score in the under 44. I have a feeling we're not going to differ too much on the the spread or the spread or the straight-up pick, but maybe the total. What do you got on here?
1: Same as you for all of them. Just, uh, just feels too easy, that one.
0: Yep, absolutely. So that, naturally, we're going to miss all three of those. The Bears are going to win. <laughs> Move on to a team that does put up a bunch of points. I believe the number one scoring offense in the league, Detroit, plus three at New England, 45 and a half point total here. Bailey Zappi in line for his first career start. 10 of 15 last week, uh, 99 yards, not really a great game. He did have the, the one touchdown. He's going against the league's worst defense though. So how are you playing the Pats in week five?
1: I think it's mainly just the running backs. I don't really want to be trying to guess which Patriots wide receiver is going to have a good game. I think we have seen Devontae Parker over the last couple of weeks play quite well. He only had two targets last week and uh, he caught both of them. But generally speaking, you look down the stat sheet for the Patriots and it just feels like the running backs are the best bet on here. You know. The Lions just allowed the Seahawks to rush for 235 yards and three touchdowns on him. So they hemorrhage points there and they're dead last in run defense DVOA. I think you can play either Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson in season long. I'll probably lean towards Stevenson more on DraftKings. Um, I think he's 5,500 this week, just cheaper than Harris, who's 5,600. But we've seen Stevenson is the player that they turn to in the passing game out of the two running backs when they're in a negative game script. And this Lions team just seems to put up points on anyone, regardless of what their own defence is doing. So if we see a situation like that, it feels much more likely that Stevenson is going to be playing and potentially catching more balls.
0: Yeah, and we should see that from Jamal Williams. We've got Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift both unlikely to play. DJ Chark I uh, think was back at practice today along with TJ Hawkinson after his monster game last week. But is Josh William, Josh is Jamal Williams a good play again this week? And is Josh Reynolds worth another start? uh against the patriots yeah definitely i
1: think jamal williams kind of you know he had a great day last week which kind of went quite quiet because there were just other running backs who were going off even more and because this game exploded into such a points fest they kind of got a little bit looked over but tj hawkins
0: i think overshadowed him a bit as well with that big game
1: Exactly. And, you know, that was one which uh, was in my DFS column for last week. It felt so obvious that TJ Hawkinson was going to have a great week because tight ends tend to against Seahawks. But as far as Jamal Williams was concerned, he averaged 5.7 yards per carry and he was just doing everything he needed to and went over 100 yards. So I'm completely fine playing him again. If DJ Chark's there, I'll probably ease off Josh Reynolds a little bit because it feels like we might eat into each other's production. But I guess if Eamon Rasen Brown misses out, then somebody's got to catch the ball.
0: Yeah, and a prop bet I like on this one, uh, I was looking at this morning, New England's 31st against the run. We saw Packers running backs combined for 183 yards last week. You mentioned Jamal Williams went over 100, had 110 last week. His line is set at 68.5 rushing yards, so I like the over on that one again this week. I just think that's too low. As far as the game overall, I think Detroit's going to get one of these eventually, so I'll take the Lions plus three to win and the over to hit again in this one just because that Detroit defense doesn't know – uh how not to give up points it seems like no matter who they play
1: yeah um, i'm agreed on that one i just like the idea of detroit shoving it in matt patricia's face yep.
0: moving on to detroit's opponent from last week to seattle plus six at new orleans 46 point total geno smith heard all the hate this offseason and he used that to fuel him to a top 10 fantasy quarterback through about the quarter mark of the season he was qb2 overall over the last two weeks Gino, D.K. Metcalf, uh, Tyler Locker, Rashad Penny all had big games last week. Are they all worth starts again this week in a much tougher matchup against New Orleans, though? New Orleans hasn't been as good as we expected them on the defensive side.
1: Yeah, I think you can definitely feel confident that you've got a picture of what Gino's going to give you. I don't think he's going to give you the kind of performance he had last week, where he had 320 passing yards and two touchdowns. But that, again, felt like one which we could see coming. He was somebody I wrote up in my DFS column, and I know a couple of readers of the column had really good profitable days from playing him, so you'd love to see that. But, like, it's, you know, Chino's average yards per attempt last week was 12, which is a really big number. So it's possibly not going to be the same for this week against Saints, but perhaps, you know, the Saints have got that kind of London game hangover and they're not playing to their best. Um... But so far, DK Metcalf, you know, he's had those kind of good days that we'd hoped. He's not been, he's not made the jump to the real elite level, but he had the third highest receiving yardage of his career last week with 149. Tyler Lockett's averaging eight receptions per game feels quite likely that Will Disley's going to get in the end zone at some point because he keeps doing it. So, um so I'm kind of I'm kind of fine playing all the Seattle players. I think, you know, you can make nice correlations with them and either Chris Olave on the Saints side or I quite like Alvin Kamara this week. I think, you know, he's said that he's going to be ready for this game. I feel like we've been waiting for this really. It's been really tough so far if you roster Alvin Kamara, which I do in my home league, the Seahawks ranked bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to running backs and also ranked 27th in DVOA against running backs receiving the ball. So this this feels like the explosion week. Latavius Murray just got signed to the Denver practice squad. And Mark Ingram sounds like he's dealing with injuries. So that's, that's kind of my main feel on this one.
0: Yeah, and we just saw, we just talked about Jamal Williams last week against the Seahawks team having a big day. Uh, You mentioned the London hangover for the Saints potentially. It seems like, or it feels like, that teams coming back from London should get a bye, uh, should be scheduled for their bye that next week. That's not always the way it works. Uh, So I'm going to ride with the hot hand to take Geno and the Saints to upset New Orleans. I'm not feeling great about it, but I'm just. I'm not really sure about the Saints team, especially with Jameis maybe being out again. Uh, Andy Dalton played last week. Uh, Michael Thomas maybe being out again. It looks, I think it's trending that direction. Um, They're really only around average against the run in the pass. Uh, Seahawks defense is second worst in the league. So I'm going to side with the over though at 46 points. But I do, I am leaning Seahawks to pull the upset uh, on Sunday.
1: So I've gone with Seahawks to cover, um, but I've got, the Saints to take the money line, and uh, I've gone with the over because, you know, it just feels like maybe maybe we, maybe we get the explosion from New Orleans and they discover a bit of sort of offensive have been lacking.
0: Yeah, we'd love to see. We always love seeing points, so hopefully we can get the over <laughs> in this one. Moving on to a divisional matchup, Atlanta plus 8.5 at Tampa Bay, 48-point total. I think this one may have moved to nine since – uh since i last saw uh, when i was looking it up before the show but i didn't see some eight and a half now the falcons got another win to get to two and two this is a big one in tampa it's for the nfc south lead and tampa bay has been much better against the past than the run this year do you like tyler algier or caleb huntley as the better play with cordero patterson on ir now and damian williams still on ir
1: I think you've possibly got to lean towards Tyler Algier here just because they invested that little bit more in him. You know, reports have been positive about Caleb Hundley and I've got a few friends who are Falcons fans and they've kind of talked him up through the offseason and they were kind of stashing him on fantasy teams, rosters or deep leagues. But Tyler Algier just feels like a slightly better play. But honestly, I'm not really wanting to play either of those against this Buccaneers defense. I feel like, you know, they haven't been... At their real best than they were like over the last couple of years where running on them was just pointless but they still feel like they've got enough to stop this falcons team on the ground
0: yeah and going on to the other side the big news uh, last week was chris godwin's return now he's got 35 catches 558 yards and six touchdowns in five games against atlanta in his career could be one of the top plays this week i think you've got a nice stack in this one involving him is that right
1: yeah, that's right. I mean, this is my stack of the week and it just it starts with Tom Brady because he's played the Falcons four times since he went over to the Buccaneers and he's averaged 35.23 fantasy points for an average of 358 yards and 3.75 touchdowns per game. He's only 6,000 on DraftKings this week, which feels like he's been priced down because the Buccaneers offense hasn't really got going yet, but that's too cheap and Chris Godwin's 5,900. He's kind of got that discount coming back from an injury. And Mike Evans is 6900 So for 18800 or less than 38% of your available salary, you can stack up three players who could really go nuclear. And I'd expect this stack to kind of catch a little hype. I put some out on Twitter yesterday and a lot of people were interacting with it saying, you know, it just seems too obvious. So I'd expect there'd be a lot of people rostering this week. And if you decide to go down that route for a, tournament stack then you need to be aware that you're gonna to have to get a little bit unique elsewhere because of it but it just feels like absolute wheels up on that one
0: yeah and on the other side um potentially I think you said Drake London oh Kyle Pitts didn't practice again today so we don't know if he'll play but Drake yeah. London could be a good bring back there
1: yeah definitely and perhaps if Kyle Pitts misses out then Drake London catches a little too much attention after all you know <laughs> Kyle Pitts is just out there doing cardio and taking attention away <laughs> from him but uh yeah, good yeah, morning to see yeah definitely I mean he's got 10 catches for 150 scoreless yards and it's just like what are we doing here Arthur mm-hmm. Smith says you can't force the ball to him it's like take a look around the league go look at what Sean McVay yeah. does with Cooper Cup take a look at what Lamar Jackson does with Mark Andrews good teams don't feel bad about forcing the ball to their best players
0: yeah, they make it work, and you mentioned all the points that the Bucks have been putting up. They've won all four games against Atlanta since Tom Brady arrived, won each by at least 13. Now, Atlanta is the only team that's undefeated against the spread this year, but I'm taking Tampa to cover it home. They had the second-best offensive performance of the week last year by a good amount, uh, even though they got destroyed uh, for most of that game. They're never really in it. The offense was good. The defense wasn't great, I said, but they won't give up 41 points to Atlanta. And I don't think this one reaches 48 points, though. I'll side with the under. I think Atlanta has a tough time.
1: I've, I've gone with the over, but only because I think Tampa just absolutely put on a clinic. And, yeah, everything just siding towards Tampa here.
0: We'll move on to staying in the NFC South, at least one team, the Carolina Panthers hosting San Francisco. Uh, 49ers come in as six-point favorites here, 39-point total. I think that's the lowest of the week, if I recall correctly. Can we trust anyone in this offense fantasy-wise in San Francisco outside of Debo and Jeff Wilson? Ayuk uh, fell short of the targets or of the the four-and-a-half receptions, I think it was, that Mike and I pinned him or or that I liked on Monday. Um, And Garoppolo didn't have a big game fantasy-wise, but uh, Debo Samuel and Jeff Wilson did.
1: Yeah, it's like it's a bit frustrating because Ayuk was one of those players that all through the offseason just seemed to be ready for a real breakout Season and, you know, build on last year where he finished really strong. But he's averaging 3.5 receptions for 44 yards a game, which just isn't going to get it done when he doesn't score touchdowns. I think it's easier to play Brandon Ayuk, who is, you know, much better, much more palatable than George Kittle, who it just, you know, he's not blocking more than he's done in previous seasons, but he's just not getting the ball particularly a great amount. Brandon Ayuk's 5,400 on DraftKings, which is a nice cheap price for a wide receiver. Whereas George Kittle is 5,200, which is on the more expensive side of things on this slate. So I'd lean towards Brandon Ayuk if I was going to play one. Debo is a it's it's a tricky one because Debo just keeps doing Debo type things, really, doesn't he? He's you know you, you can look at his points and it's always just he's Whatever metric you look at, like in terms of like fancy points over expected, he's always crushing it because the team just have to rely on him heavily. I think he had 23 points last week, so there's no reason to sit Debo. I'm just not sure that I'm going to be leaning towards it in DFS
0: myself. And on the other side of that, a guy that they should be leaning on, uh, Christian McCaffrey paid huge dividends for me. I traded for him last Wednesday, had the injury scare there, but had eight receptions. Uh, for, was like 70-something yards, I forget the exact number, but a big game, uh, got in the end zone through the air. But DJ Moore continues to provide a poor return on investment. Saw 11 targets, but only turned that into six for 50. It's hard to, to just straight-up cut ties with, a I think it was a third-ish round pick, and just drop him. At this point, are you just trying to basically get whatever you can get for Maybe someone who started 4-0 uh, will, will make a deal just to hang on to him in case he ends up having a, a big back half of the season?
1: Uh I've and this is someone I've got in my home league where I've started 0-4 and, and it's uh been been rather painful. Let me just Thanks, say DJ. That. Yeah. Maker, <laughs> I guess. The signs seem to be there. Like the team knows that they've got to get things going through him. And he set a season high in air yards and targets last week. So things are trending better. I don't think this is a good week for it against San Francisco's defense and particularly against is it Tufunga, who just seems to be a man on fire and seems destined to be an all-pro. Um, so it's kind of one of those games where I think you've got to start McCaffrey because he's in great form and he's running really well. As far as DJ Moore goes, if I can leave him on the bench for this week, I probably will.
0: Yeah, and then uh, looking at the betting side of it, you mentioned this Panthers offense just has been bad. They're 31st overall, 31st in passing. They're 16th in the run game, but they go against the league's top-ranked run defense. San Francisco number one against the run, fourth against the pass, tied for third and adjusted sack sack rate, and just dominated the Rams, sacking Matt Stafford seven times, I believe, on Monday. I think Mayfield and company are going to have a tough time scoring. So I'm taking the 49ers to cover. This was actually my uh, highest confidence or my best pick against the spread in our staff picks. The Carolina defense is decent at 12th in DVOA. 39 points is low, but I'm going to say under just because the, the San Francisco offense, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look fantastic. Uh, they are one of three teams where the under is 4-0. and Carolina's under is 3-1. and So, you know, I'll take San Francisco to cover an under 39, even though it's a very low total.
1: I've I've gone with the over but I definitely can't see it being by much uh, I've gone Carolina to cover but San Francisco would take the money line I think, I just feel like Carolina's defense has been pleasantly surprising, you know they've scored touchdowns on back-to-back weeks I think and I, I quite enjoy seeing Jimmy Garoppolo make mistakes so uh, <laughs> maybe that comes off again this week
0: Yeah, he's bound to – he didn't throw the interception last week like a lot of people thought maybe. I think I had uh, included that in my underdog uh, pick-em that I did last week, and it it didn't didn't happen, but maybe this week he makes a mistake again against Carolina defense that's been decent at at 12th in DVOA. Moving on to a game that could be a very high-scoring game. Uh, Totals at 49, I believe the second highest of the week. Philadelphia Eagles minus 5.5 at Arizona. Philly just keeps rolling. Man, I don't think the Cardinals are the team to stop them. A.J. Brown had that huge 10 for 155 in week one, but no touchdown. I've read some things that say his matchup is pretty good this week uh, against the cornerbacks, really all the Eagles. Is this the week he's finally going to have that monster game we've been waiting for where he's got 100-plus yards, a touchdown, or maybe even two?
1: I think so. I mean, the Cardinals rank bottom five in pass defense, DVOA, and – you know they're just not a particularly good team. They're kind of skating by and just doing the bare minimum. Crushing Carolina, you know. I'm not giving out any lollipops for crushing one of the best team, like one of the worst teams around. Um, regardless of how good their defense is, you know, when you've got Baker Mayfield just, you know, throwing passes into the O line all the time, then mm-hmm. eventually the defense is going to give up plays. I think in terms of on the eagle side of things, aside from AJ Brown, who I do really like, I think you know he's clearly one of the players of the week, and you could play him in, you could play him in cash formats, you could play him in tournaments. He's seventy five hundred on DraftKings, which feels a little cheap given this matchup. Uh, I do really like this match for Dallas Goddard though. He's yet to kind of have a real huge fantasy performance this year. He's been averaging fifteen DraftKings points, which is quite nice and steady in that PPR format. But This this is the week. Like Arizona Arizona ranks 29th in DVOA against tight ends. They've allowed 29.1 fantasy points per game to the position. And no other defense has surrendered more than 22.2 per game. So it's like, you know, that's a huge gulf really. And I'm all in on, you know, stack up Jalen Hurts with Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown and yeah, if you need to run it back with somebody from the other side, I'm sure Marquise Brown will look good on paper. But against against Clay, I'm not sure I'd be really ne- feeling like it's necessary. Um, perhaps Greg Dorch or Rondale Moore, somebody that you can use instead.
0: Yeah, you 100% agree with you. You kind of read my mind there. Uh, mentioned Arizona only 29th against tight ends. For those of you watching, that's a stat you can get with an FO plus subscription at footballoutsiders.com. Really uh, looked up his prop. Caesars has him at only 41 and a half yards receiving for his line. Um that's just way too low for him. He's averaging 60 yards. He's gone 60 plus plus in three or four. So I'm with you there. Big Dallas Goddard day. And that's a, a prop that I will, would smash uh, as long as you can get that low. I think even the other books though, were at 44 and a half, maybe not really that high, which was surprising. And look at the Arizona side. Uh, you mentioned, you know, maybe Rondo Moore, Greg Dortch having the bigger game there. Uh, Philadelphia is second against wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos ninth against tight ends, a little susceptible to the running backs in the past game. And then overall, they're better. They're, they're really good against both. Um, but is this a James Connor game? So are you thinking that he could have a big day as well or not a big day? No one really has big days against Philly, it seems, uh, but a pretty good day. I'm not too sure,
1: really, because it seems like he's kind of banged up and dealing with these knee injuries, I think it was. And it just seems like in the last few weeks, he's kind of ceded a lot of the work to um, Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. So, you know, and they've been reasonable in the games when they've come in, uh, like in terms of fancy points per touch. I think it's not particularly different. James Connors averaging 0.6 fancy points per touch. You know, Benjamin's averaging 0. 0.9 and Daryl Williams is averaging 0. 0.5. So it's not particularly like James Connors really dominating things, which is why it kind of makes it a little bit harder to play them this week. I think in terms of price points, they're all kind of priced okay. James Connors, 6,300, which he'll probably, because of the higher o- over-under, will attract some people to this game who are try to attack it in different ways. But. Perhaps, you know, Benjamin at like 4,600 is a better play and you just have to hope he gets into the end zone or something.
0: Yep. Yeah, and speaking of that high total there, I like the over in the desert in this one. I do think though Arizona can make it a game, but I still like Philly to cover <laughs> even if they may, Arizona may score late. But I think Philly still wins by six or more in this one, and, and I do think it is a higher scoring game. I think the Cardinals are able to put up a, at least a few points.
1: Only thing different for me is the under. I'm just uh... – You know, compounding misery on Cliff Kingsbury in a home game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we will see on that one. They've got the potential to go high, but could be all Philly in this one. Just got a few games left. Uh, Dallas plus five and a half going out to L.A. to take on the Rams. 43-point total. The L.A. defense has been very underwhelming this year. They're tough versus the run overall, but Jeff Wilson had success last week. Are you sticking with those top Cowboys against this Rams team?
1: I think you can do. I think um, CD Lamb, you know, he's really showed that he can be relied on with Cooper Rush now. He's the wide receiver 12 on the season, averaged 86 yards and 0.6 touchdowns per game over the last three weeks. Um, So I'm fine with that. I feel like I'll probably lean away from the running backs in this game. I don't feel like I've particularly seen an awful lot from either... Zeke or Tony Pollard in the last couple of weeks to make me have an awful lot of faith in him in this one. But Michael Gallup, somebody who I really like, he played 64% of snaps last week, and Dallas were in control against the Giants, I think it was. And, you know, they didn't really need to push things further. Uh, But in week five, you know, you're looking at it and they're traveling to the Rams, who rank 32nd against wide receiver twos. So they're really banged up in the secondary. They seem to be losing players every week, and we mm-hmm. just don't have the depth to cope with it because they don't care about the draft picks. So, uh, yeah, for me, mainly Gallup and CD Lamb, I'll be playing.
0: And for the Rams, a, a guy that uh, people really have trouble covering uh, is Cooper Cup. He's going to get his every week. Allen Robinson, we're in a similar situation as we are with DJ Moore. You spent a pretty high draft pick on him. Is it time to – I think he's more of a candidate for a straight-up drop. I don't think you can drop him at this point in season long. But, again, maybe try to offload him for whatever you can get because it just doesn't seem like Allen Robinson is happening in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, again, this week we kind of had that squeaky wheel sort of talk from Sean McVeigh and a couple of position coaches who talked about we have to get – Alan Robinson more involved and it's like well you know it's kind of like the old hot dog meme like who did this you know just yeah. go get him more involved like he's he's for not he gonna
0: blow up for Alan Robinson
1: <laughs> yeah like you know he's he's struggling to get opened every time the camera cuts to him it looks like you know somebody's draped all over him but this offense should be a scheme somebody open I mean you know Alan Robinson's losing touches and targets to Ben Scrownick for a minute, like, it's I completely agree, I wouldn't start Alan Robinson this week, I feel rather embarrassed by how much Alan Robinson I took in best ball this summer Um, and it's, I'm very much in wait and see mode now until I see that performance from Alan Robinson, I'll be benching him and I won't be playing him in DraftKings or anywhere else I think, you know as far as the Rams go, you just, it just has to be Cooper Cup really, you know if you're playing showdown, Slater, if you're playing DFS, Cooper Cup's an easy player, to build around. I mean, uh, This is from uh, Rich Cooling, who's Dynasty Island on Twitter. That Cooper Cup is going for the wide receiver record for consecutive regular season games where he scored 15 or more fancy PPR points this weekend. Wow. He's currently tied with Devante Adams on 17. And if he gets 15 or more this week, he'll have 18 regular season games with that. So it's just Cooper Cup or bust. Yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That's how I've, I've got him in my home league as a, a keeper drafted in the fourth round last year. I get him again next year in the third round. Looks like it's going to be a steal again next year. So love to love to hear that. As far as the, the game pick goes in this one, what, do you, what are your take on the spread and the total here for uh, Sunday afternoon?
1: Yeah, I've gone with the Rams to cover and for Viova to hit. Viova uh, is at 43, which uh, just feels a little low considering the Rams' issues.
0: Yep, and this was my upset pick and our staff picks this week. The last two weeks I've said my upset pick uh, I think could happen, but I'm not expecting it to. This is one I'm going to stick with. L.A. just looked awful on Monday night. The the line – couldn't protect Matthew Stafford. They have the fourth-highest adjusted sack rate. The Dallas defense has the highest adjusted sack rate, second-most sacks. I think Micah Parsons and those guys just wreak havoc and give Matthew Stafford fits all day. Uh, maybe another pick six from Stafford. I uh, it's, It really struggled. The Cooper Rush-led Rush Cowboys offense wasn't great last week, but they were fifth and tenth and eleventh in DVOA the prior two weeks in the league. I think they can do just enough to pull off the upset against what I I said is an underwhelming Rams defense. So I'm going to go on the opposite side here, say Cowboys win, and the game is under 43 points uh, with Dallas not scoring a ton, but being able to limit that, that Rams offense at least a bit. So we'll move into just two more Sunday night football, Cincinnati plus three at Baltimore, 48 and a half points. Is this the game Jamar Chase gets going like he did last year?
1: I definitely think that game's coming and, you know, I'll try and put my bias as a Ravens fan aside, but like, you know, these were the games last year where he just absolutely exploded. The Ravens track covering with just single coverage and much as Marlon Humphrey is an all-pro cornerback when he's on his game, he just got embarrassed by Jamar Chase. I think, you know, we've kind of seen... Jamar Chase be hit with volume to make up for the fact like they don't seem to be able to get him going early on in games and just have to really pepper him with targets and the hope that things are going to come loose as the game goes on. So. Yeah, I don't have any problem with people if you're playing because it's a Sunday night game, right? So I have no problem with people playing Jamar Chase as the captain spot in this one. It feels like people will gravitate towards Lamar Jackson as the captain because of his high ceiling. But Jamar Chase could
0: easily go nuclear here. And then what about Joe Mixon? He got in the end zone last week, but he had like six tries, uh, only got in once. The usage is still elite for a season-long player, but can he be counted on in DFS with the, the low efficiency?
1: yeah i mean like like you said his, his efficiency is just really poor of him you know he's last week he rushed for 2.5 yards per carry which is just miserable really like that's almost as bad as jonathan taylor did last week but what's keeping joe mixon going is that he's on for a career year in targets last week he had four he's been consistently part of a passing game every week and this raven's defense there's problems at every level of it, really, and particularly with the linebackers. Patrick Queen just seems to be allergic to tackling, so I'd be fine playing him. Or on the other side of the ball, J.K. Dobbins, he seemed to really get back into the groove things last week. After week three, it was his first game back, and he only touched the ball nine times. Last week, he touched the ball 17 times, scored both a rushing and receiving touchdown. And it's been interesting seeing the Ravens using their running backs a little bit more in the receiving game this year. I know some people fade these running backs on teams where there's dual threat quarterbacks, but Lamar Jackson's 21% of his passes so far this season have gone to running backs or a fullback. So I'm fine with both running backs on the team, but if you're playing showdown slates, just be careful about how you construct your roster because it's not often that both running backs have ceiling games in the same game.
0: Yeah, and we saw the Cincinnati Bengals have two ceiling games against this Baltimore team last year. (sighs) 41-17 41-17 in the first meeting, Forty-one twenty-one. I think the second one. Second game was without Lamar. Mentioned Chase went off in the first meeting. Higgins went off in the second. I think it was like 194 and two touchdowns. I do think Baltimore is better with the revenge factor at home. I'm taking Baltimore to cover in a high-scoring game on Sunday Night Football. Going to take the over. Uh, I imagine that you agree on, on Baltimore. I know you said you're being a Baltimore fan, but I just think they're the better team.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, You know, Sometimes you just have to let your bias shine for a little bit. But I think the over definitely feels fine. Uh, I feel like the Ravens, as much as there are defensive issues, they are getting healthier. And I feel like the Bengals are struggling just as much as the Ravens are at the minute. And at home, I'll just side with the home team in this.
0: Yeah, and uh, Joe Burrow was one of the picks that I had on our Thursday Night Football Show last week. He did hit his over in his passing yardage. Um, going with him again, over 272.5 passing. Baltimore's allowed 300-plus to everyone, except Allen, surprisingly, similar to that Mahomes stat where every quarterback is thrown for two touchdowns against the Colts, but Mahomes. But he's, uh, Burrow's also hit 275-plus in 304. We hit that over. So I'm going to stick with Burrow again this week uh, over his passing yards in this one. And that takes us to the Monday Nighter, our last game that we're going to cover. It's the last game of week five, Las Vegas, plus seven at Kansas City, 51 point total. So what do you think? What are are your favorite plays from this one?
1: Well, as somebody who's faded Josh Jacobs for a long time, I kind of have to accept that he's running really well every minute and he won me a good bit of DFS money last week. So I'm very grateful to Josh Jacobs. Thank you, Josh. Um, But like he's he's running as well as he ever did right back to his rookie year. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry and he's only behind his rookie year in yards per game. He's averaging 84.5 a minute in his rookie year. He was up to like 88. So I'm more than happy to play Josh Jacobs on that side of things. I think the Devante Adams breakout game, it's coming. Darren Waller, he's somebody week after a week I've been holding out hope for. They do seem to keep targeting him in the end zone, but it just doesn't seem to materialize. So it's a little tricky to play Waller in DFS, but in season long, you've just got to really, the price you paid for him, you've got to keep playing him. On the Chiefs side, though, it just, it gets really messy. I mean, last week was it Jody Fortson and Noah Gray scoring touchdowns and you're just like, like, come on, like, help me out a little bit here. So I think you can count on Travis Kelsey and Clyde edwards lev. They've got really bankable roles at this point, and Clyde edwards Lair has seen an increase in his targets per game from 2.3 last year up to 3.5, so they're utilising him much better than they have done before. He's getting much more of those high-value touches with goal line carries, so completely fine with that. Juju is a fringe starter for me, and then MBS, you've just kind of got to bench him really at this point. There's just nothing to count on.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Kelsey. You can count on him. He's averaged seven catches and 101 yards on nine and a half targets per game in eight games against the Raiders since Mahomes became the starter. Uh, Scored a touchdown of four of those eight. But he was held without a touchdown uh, catch against them last season. Couldn't find the props uh, yet for Monday Night Football. I was looking before the show and yesterday doing the staff picks because Kelsey's who I picked to have a big fantasy day. But to score a touchdown for Travis Kelsey anytime I think is a good one. Uh, And I'm not sure what his receiving yardage is, but, again, his average – over 100, over 100 yards, so uh, could be a good one there, depending on what that's at. As far as the game pick, the Chiefs are seven and one against the Raiders since Mahomes became starter. They've won all but one of them by seven plus, Five of seven by three scores, averaging over 37 points. They've scored 40 plus in half of those games. Um, kind of with like the Minnesota game, I said I'm not really thinking too much about it. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. It's our lowest confidence spread pick of the week, but I'm gonna take it and then give me Chiefs to, to give me the game to go over 51 as well. Like Kind of like what you said with Tampa, with uh, Kansas City just scoring a lot of points. But I think the the Raiders can score some points in this one, too.
1: Yeah, I've got got Raiders to cover, but Kansas City to win the game and the game to go over. I just feel like Vegas, they showed enough last week to believe the signs of life are there. They know that the back's against the wall and they've got to come out firing. And I just think that Josh Jacobs was running well enough that that offense can – attack the Chiefs in multiple ways
0: yeah and uh, they won the big one a couple years ago to start the year that the the Raiders had a big season so can definitely do it but two really exciting games or it should be exciting games to end the week with Cincinnati and Baltimore on Sunday night and Las Vegas and Kansas City on Monday night should be a good ones and that does it for our recap. Before we go, don't forget you can get a free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. They will match your deposit up to $100 again using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, and articles. You get an ad-free experience and you get access to this data on Mondays, a day before everyone else uh dboa a lot of times is used in the calculations for moving markets uh, or for creating markets people betting to move markets as well Uh, also if you're a media professional aspiring media professional uh, you get access to a lot of really good data that you can utilize in your work before other people get access that's $4.99 a month that's it at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and then last but certainly not least don't forget to join us on the football outsiders discord channel for in-game conversation for every game beginning to, beginning on Thursday night football, going into Sunday's games, and then Monday night as well. Tom, thank you for joining me as always. Enjoy the action. You got one more game over there, another game in London over there with you guys this Sunday and everyone out there watching. May your fantasy teams win and may all of your bets win.